Chapter 1 That other book which I made before was named Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Maybe you remember about it, but if you don't, it don't make no difference because it ain't got nothing to do with this one. The way it ended up was that me and Tom Sawyer and the nigger Jim that used to belong to old Miss Watson was away down in Arkansas at Tom's Aunt Sally's and Uncle Silas's. Jim warn't a slave no more, but free, because—but never mind about that— how he become to get free and who done it and what a power of work and danger it was is all told about in that other book. Well, then, pretty soon it got dull there on that little plantation, and Tom, he got pisoned with the notion of going amongst the Injuns for a while to see how it would be. But about that time, Aunt Sally took us off up home to Missouri, and then right away after that she went away across the state, nearly to the west border, to stay a month or two months with some of her relations on a hemp farm out there, and took Tom and Sid and Mary. And I went along because Tom wanted me to, and Jim went too, because there was white men around our little town that was plenty mean enough and ornery enough to steal Jim's papers from him and sell him down the river again. But they couldn't come and do that if he stayed with us. Well, there's liver places in a hemp farm, there ain't no use to deny it, and some people don't take to them. Pretty soon, sure enough, just as I expected, Tom, he begun to get in a sweat to have something going on. Somehow Tom Sawyer couldn't ever stand much lazying around. Though as for me, betwixt lazying around and pie, I hadn't no choice, and wouldn't know which to take, and just as soon have them both as not and druther. So he rousted out his engine notion again, and was dead set on having us run off some night and cut for the engine country and go for adventures. He said it was getting too dull on the hemp farm at giving the fan tods. But me and Jim kind of hung fire. Plenty to eat and nothing to do. We was very well satisfied. We had never had such comfortable times before, and we reckoned we better let it alone as long as Providence warn't noticing. It would get busted up soon enough, likely, without our putting in and helping. But Tom, he stuck to the thing and pegged at us every day. Jim says, I don't see to use, Mars Tom. Fur as I can see, people that has engines on their hands ain't no better off than people that ain't got no engines. Well, then, we ain't got no engines, we don't need no engines, and what does we want to go and hunt em up for? We getting along just as well as if we had a million on em. They's a powerful, ordinary lot, anyway. Who is? Why, the engines. Who says so? What do you know about it? What does I know about it? I knows this much. If they catches a body out, they'll take and skin em same as they would a dog. That's what I knows about em. All fall to roll. Who told you that? Well, I hear old Missus say so. Old Missus, the widow Douglas? Much she knows about it. Has she ever been skinned? Course not. Just as I expected. She don't know what she's talking about. Has she ever been amongst the engines? No. Well, then, what right has she got to be blaggard in them and tellin' what ain't so about them? Well, anyway, old General Gaines, he's been amongst them anyway. All right, so he has. Been with him lots of times, hasn't he? Yes, lots of times. Been with him years, hasn't he? Yes, sir. Why, Mars Tom, he... Very well, then. Has he been skinned? You answer me that. Jim C. Tom had him. He couldn't say a word. Tom Sawyer was the keenest boy for laying for a person and just leading him along by the nose without ever seeming to do it till he got him where he couldn't budge and then bust his arguments all to flinders I ever see. It warn't no use to argue with Tom Sawyer. A body never stood any show. 
Jim he hemmed and hawed, but all he could say was that he had somehow got the notion that engines was powerful ornery, but he reckoned maybe. Then Tom shut him off. You reckon maybe you've been mistaken. Well, you have. Engines ornery? It's the most ignorant idea that ever. Why, Jim, they're the noblest human beings that's ever been in the world. If a white man tells you a thing, do you know it's true? No, you don't, because generally it's a lie. But if an engine tells you a thing, you can bet on it every time for the petrified fact, because you can't get an engine to lie. He would cut his tongue out first. If you trust to a white man's honor, you better look out. But you trust to an engine's honor, and nothing in the world can make him betray you. He would die first and be glad to. An engine is all honor. That's what they're made of. You ask a white man to divide his property with you, will he do it? I think I see him at it. But you go to an engine, and he'll give you everything he's got in the world. It's just the difference between an engine and a white man. They're just all generousness and unstingibleness. And brave? Why they ain't afraid of anything. If there was just one engine and a whole regiment of white men against him, they wouldn't stand the least show in the world, not the least. You'd see that splendid, gigantic engine come war whooping down on his wild charger, all over paint and feathers, waving his tomahawk and letting drive with his bow faster than anybody could count the arrows, and hitting a soldier in any part of his body he wanted to, every time, any distance. And in two minutes, you'd see him santering off with a wheelbarrow load of scalps, and the rest of them stampeding for the United States, the same as if the menagerie was after them. Death? <laughs> An engine don't care shucks for death. They prefer it. They sing when they're dying, sing their death song. You take an engine and stick him full of arrows and splinters, and hack him up with a hatchet and skin him and start a slow fire under him, and do you reckon he minds it? No, sir. He will just sit there in the hot ashes, perfectly comfortable, and sing, same as if he was on salary. Would a white man? You know he wouldn't. And they're the most gigantic, magnificent creatures in the whole world, and can knock a man down with a barrel of flour as far as they can see him. They're awful strong and fiery and eloquent, and wear beautiful blankets and war paint and moccasins and the buckskin clothes all over beads, and go fighting and scalping every day in the year but Sundays and have a noble good time. And they love friendly white men and just dote on them and can't do too much for them and would rather die than let any harm come to them. And they think just as much of niggers as they do of anybody. And the young squaws are the most beautiful maidens that was ever in the whole world. And they love a white hunter the minute their eye falls on him, and from that minute nothing can ever shake their love loose again. And they're always on the watch out to protect him from danger and get themselves killed in the place of him. Look at Pocahontas, and an Indian can see as far as a telescope with the naked eye, and an enemy can't slip around anywhere even in the dark, but he knows it. And if he sees one single blade of grass bent down, it's all he wants. He knows which way to go to find the enemy that done it. And he can read all kinds of trifling little signs, just the same way with his eagle eye, which you would never see at all. And if he sees a little whiff of smoke going up in the air, thirty-five miles off, he knows in a second if it's a friend's campfire or an enemy's, just by the smell of the smoke, because they're the most giftedest people in the whole world, and the hospitablest and the happiest, and don't ever have anything to do from year's end to year's end, but have a perfectly supernatural good time and piles and piles of adventures. Amongst the Indians, life is just simply a circus. That's what it is. Anybody that knows will tell you you can't praise it too high and you can't put it too strong. Jim's eyes was shining and so was mine, I reckon, and he was excited and it was the same with both of us as far as that was concerned. Jim drawed a long breath and then says, "Whoosh!" 
Them's the ticket for Jim. Bust if it don't beat all how rotten ignorant a body can be about engines when he ain't had no chance to study em up. While well, Mars Tom, if I'd a knowed what engines really is, I pledges you my word I'd... Well, you just count me in, that's all. Count me in on the engine country business. I's ready to go. I don't want no likelier folks around me than what them engines is. And Huck's ready, too. Ain't it so, Huck? Of course, I weren't going to stay behind if they went, so I said I was.